Is your stress calling you to a better you? We are taking a deeper dive to understand how we can access our highest selves and you're invited. Join the Joyful Journey online retreat from the comfort of your own environment and together we'll find clarity about our life's purpose, reduce our stress and unleash joy. Visit www.joyfulinspiredliving.com to register for this three-day event, March 3rd to March 5th. The time commitment is small and the benefits are huge. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Joyful Journey podcast. If you're looking for more clarity in your life, clarity of purpose or how to activate that purpose, and you are someone who wants to operate from your highest self to be a force for good you know this world craves, then this is the show for you. I'm Anita Adams, your host and guide to finding clarity and creating a life you love. Let's tap into our inner wisdom, access our highest self, and unleash joy. As we do this, we raise our vibration and heighten the collective consciousness. And that, my friend, is the joyful journey. Let's dive in. Hey, Joyful Journeyer, Anita Adams here, your host. And today I'm so excited to introduce you to Rez Contractor, a wonderful human being who I had the privilege of sharing a speaking stage with recently and got an opportunity to get to know this man a little bit more and what he's been doing. And I thought he'd be a perfect guest for our show. So let me tell you a little bit more about Raz and his background. After spending five years working as a full-time engineer while promoting nightclubs on the weekends and running a recreational sports company in the evenings. Wow, that's a lot already, Raz. Like, holy smokes, keeping it busy, doing lots of stuff. Then Raz transitioned into program management. This inspired him to pursue his vision of building a consulting practice as a strategic team builder. Raz has incorporated his lifelong passion for health and wellness into strategic planning, leadership development, and team building programs, ultimately developing mind and body training, which he uses as the fundamental step in the journey towards high performance. And over the past 10 years, Raz has been building healthy, dynamic teams and organizations by installing self-development empathy and consistent strategic planning. He has had the pleasure of working with business leaders and their teams in many different industries, which has helped reinforce the following concept. If people, if people's needs are met, they thrive. Awesome. And welcome. Welcome, Raz. Thank you so much for being here today with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to have this conversation with you. Yeah, I want to I want to dive in deeper. There's a couple things that Do it. that yeah, that jump out at me. Um well, first off, we're, so we're going to I really want to dive into that mind and body training um and how that leads to um high performance. So can we dissect this a little bit? Tell us more what exactly is mind and body training? Absolutely. Thank you for asking that question. So, as the engineer I am, I reverse engineered mindfulness. So I had always introduced meditation, breath work as part of my process, especially at the strategic planning level, because in a strategy session, it's a great idea to kind of breathe together at the start. Everybody engages and kind of finds the same level of feeling. And then as things get stressful, we take a break and breathe. So that was always part of the process. But as 
kind of things happen and you're seeing mindfulness pop up, has been popping up everywhere. I wanted to figure out what is it about mindfulness and why does it work? And this came from a lot of personal health issues that I started to experience over the past seven-ish years. And it really escalated over the past, I'd say, previous three. In the last two years, um, it has exponentially improved. So I went from body breaking down to I'm stronger and more fit than I was in my 20s when I was a healthy athlete. So mind-body training is the reverse engineering of mindfulness. The neuroscience, the mind, and the biomechanics, the body, and what happens to our body when we breathe, when we move our eyes, and when we how we use our tongue, just as a starter. What we know is that our breathing influences our psychological and physiological state. And the study of that allows us to take control over what happens to our body when we experience something in our surroundings. So that's the easiest way to put it. And uh, hopefully we can dive deeper from there. Yeah, I'd love to. So, okay. So how we breathe, how we move our eyes and the placement of our tongue. Is that what you said? That's sort of level one, two, three, as far as the way we want to understand what's going on in our head and how that influences our body and our brain. Okay. And before the show, we were talking about um, chronic stress and how we can reduce chronic stress. So are these three things um, tools that you can use to help reduce chronic stress? Is that what I'm I'm hearing? Absolutely. So let's talk about chronic stress. Okay. Chronic stress is stress that is chronic. It means mm-hmm. it's always there sort of layered on as if you're carrying a hundred pound backpack constantly everywhere in everything you do. Now imagine trying to walk around, drive, lie down, sleep, eat, go to the bathroom with a hundred pound backpack. A, your posture is going to struggle because you're always flexed in that same direction and your muscles are going to tire and they're going to fatigue and you're going to end up with some type of chronic injury. So chronic stress is a very similar perspective, but it's the mind stress and that manifests in the body. Imagine You are, well, we all are right-handed or left-handed. Some people are ambidextrous, but I'm right-handed. Therefore, my right side of my trunk is stronger. So when I get stressed, I will tighten up, but my right side will tighten up more. And if I don't release it, then the next time I get stressed, it tightens up even more and more and more. And we create restrictions and constrictions that don't go away. So in terms of managing chronic stress, which is relationship stress, financial stress, movement stress, eating stress, whatever doesn't go away is consistently on our body. Mm -hmm. In order to deal with that, we learn about our body and we understand what happens to our body under stress as well as when we're not stressed. And then we can practice being stressed using hormetic stress, workouts, movement, ice baths, et cetera. And that teaches our body what happens under stress. If we know that... So we meant so practice. You would intentionally try to put your body under stress to absolutely for what purpose. For what purpose? I don't understand that. Imagine it's timed stress as opposed to forever stress. So right. you go into a cold bath and you're stressed because it's cold and it feels difficult, but you know you're only going to be in there for five seconds, ten seconds, twenty seconds. 30 seconds, a minute, as you get better and more comfortable with it. And here you're training your body because you you understand what's happening to your body under stress. And your body also starts to become comfortable with the stress. And it's no different than going to the gym and lifting weights, where you might start with a five-pound dumbbell and then progress over months to using a 50-pound dumbbell. Okay, okay. And so... Okay, so the benefit of that is that it helps you to cope with unplanned stress? Bingo. If we know 
how our body responds under stress, then when we start to feel the stress bubble up after experiencing mind and body training over time, Mm -hmm. then we're aware of it sooner and we're able to act on it. For example, you're having a conversation that might be escalating. And if we're not aware of our body under stress, then we'll just start to get tighter and breathe less and get more restricted. And that'll create more emotional turmoil. And then we'll explode and we won't be happy with the outcome. If we are so aware of our bodies that we can feel that tightness building up in our cheeks or our core or our shoulders, or we're starting to glare and we know our eyes are not relaxed, then you can physiologically dial that back. And what that'll do is it'll calm the stress response. And then you won't have the explosion because you are actually managing it before it gets too much. And that's kind of the beauty of mind and body training. We get to know our bodies. And then when we know our bodies, we take control of the response as opposed to having the stimulus and the environment dictate what we experience. Okay. That, that makes perfect sense. So how do we, how do we use our breath? How do we use our eyes? How do we use our tongue to help to deal with the stress or to reduce the stress or to cope with the stress? Exactly. So for example, when we breathe in, our heart rate increases. This is standard across the board. Every human being, any living thing, when they breathe in, their heart rate is going to increase. When you breathe out, your heart rate is going to decrease. And just knowing that gives us a leg up on what's going on. Because imagine you're starting to get stressed and your heart rate is starting to pound. You can feel your chest and your neck pop and everything. And just pausing and taking an exhalation, we are dialing back the speed of the breath, the speed of the heart. And we're actually pinging our central nervous system to relax. That's the simple way to do it. We could take it a step further and use a very powerful mechanism called the double inhale, single exhale, popularized by Dr. Andrew Huberman online. And we go, <sighs> and so this two inhales, even more. Right. Two sharp inhales through the nose, it looked like, and yeah. then one, one slow exhale. exhalation through the mouth. And that pings the brain to say, just relax. Everything's okay. But also, a bunch of things happen to improve the oxygen intake of the lungs and subsequently the slow release of the carbon dioxide. And all of these factors play into relaxing the body at a very fast rate and much quicker than if we were just to exhale, go. Okay. And that, so that's just the one powerful way to use our breath to influence our physiology. Right. I, I love that. Um, and do you need to uh, do it several times to cre- create the benefits of that? Or will one, you know, quick inhale, double inhale and exhale, is that enough? Or does, does it depend on the situation and the individual? I don't know. Totally. Uh, so for someone who practices often, just a couple of breaths is going to make a massive difference. For someone who's like new to this and isn't as quite connected to what's happening inside them, you might need more so that the effect just kind of overrides your conscious stress. Right. That being said, if you understand what's going on, then even one breath will make a massive difference. I'll give you an example of kind of where this really hit me in the face in a way that was surprising. So I also realized that uh, through research that this type of breathing can be used while active. And I found this out in between runs. So I ran up a hill and I was dying at the top, like just inhaling oxygen, couldn't breathe, thought I was going to drown, 
can calm down and then you do the rest of the run. And I'm researching to figure out like, what, what can I do breath wise to improve this? And I came across this same mechanism, but as a tool for running, I used it one week later with no training in the middle. And I ran up the hill just going, and I ran right up the hill and kept going and finished off the run. That's a week of training, no training, but one week apart running, you, your body doesn't improve that quickly. But what happened is my body was calming because I was telling it to calm down. And where I was feeling the carbon dioxide stressing me out because it was building up too much, I was able to relax and improve the oxygen to carbon dioxide transfer in my lungs over the course of the run. So just imagine it has that effect so quickly, what it would do when you're in a state of stress. That's really a powerful tool that anybody can use anywhere. So like if you're, mm-hmm. you know, maybe going in for an interview and stressed out, you can use this just before going into an interview or you're you're about to have a confrontation with your kid who, you know, whatever, you know, I could see just how you can apply this little technique to pretty much anything to help calm that that anxiety or the stress that is being caused. So very cool. Yeah. What's crazy is, I mean, even before you're going to do a talk, right? So what's crazy is this mechanism also moves in different directions. So you could take a longer inhale and that will do something slightly different. Uh, Still calming, but from a different perspective. Uh, You could also kind of triple the inhale. Wait, wait, hold on. So just, just, so that was, you didn't do two sharp inhales. You did a long inhale and then another inhale, like still hit. Okay. And And that one's called the physiological sigh, which is more of a relaxing mechanism as opposed to trying to quickly calm the body. Okay. A relaxing mechanism. Okay. I'm I'm curious, why is it different? Like how is that? It all comes down to what's happening in your body. So the quick inhale, you're going like, it's more of a must you're, you're engaging sort of the muscles of the breathing, but not in a way that you're overusing it. Because for example, we sometimes breathe with our necks or we push our stomach out, but we don't kind of ex- inhale through like the full abdomen. And so these would create discrepancies in the expansion, which then lead to tightness on the exhalation. And that can create more and more pain or more and more discomfort or immobility. And so just going, you're kind of engaging the top of the nose and mm-hmm. the base of the spine, which is the pelvic floor. And we're not getting too connected with what's going on in the ribs, et cetera, et cetera, because we're trying to just kind of elongate and slowly exhale. But when you talk about doing the longer, you're giving your ribs time to expand and the back of the lungs to engage. And then one more time, and now you engage the length of the body and then so you're you're expand you're allowing the ribs to expand and then the length of the body and then the exhalation and so you, it's just doing different things to the body and you would it's a bit of a personal journey where you figure out what works better in different circumstances for example three inhalations uh helps with say hiccups or um a stitch right and so it's just it's a personal exploration so you mean I don't have to drink a whole bottle of water with my nose pinched? <laughs> I can do this technique instead? <laughs> Just think about what's going on there. Um, because you're closing your nose and you're drinking the water, you're forcing your epiglottis to engage and make sure that no water goes into your lungs. And the beautiful thing about the epiglottis is it's really tied to the way that our core engages. And so you're forcing everything to align by holding your nose and drinking the water. 
And so it, it is so much tied to just what you're doing to your body physiologically that results in the reduction in stress or whatever symptom you're going through. You could also drink water very mindfully and just consciously breathe in as you're sipping. And then as you prepare to swallow, breathe out. And you'll find that things also relax and align on the way down. Because what you're doing is you're allowing the swallow mechanism to drive and connect with the exhalation mechanism, which keeps the throat relaxed. So, so much to dive into. And I know I'm getting pretty technical, but I'm trying to make sure that we stay on uh, in the boundaries of this information will help everybody. Absolutely. I personally like your three breath technique better than the water technique. So I think I'm just going to stick with that one. That's awesome. Very cool. I imagine, I imagine there's um, a number of different breathing techniques that help with different, mm-hmm. different things. Is there, do you have an, any other like favorite breathing techniques that um, you want to share with the audience now? Uh, I mean, I'd love to go through all of them, but we'll go through a few for sure. So uh, one of the, other amazing ones that you know was popularized on the show Ted Lasso, which is a great show on Apple TV. I love it. I've watched it so coach. many times. <laughs> amazing show, like leadership masterclass, just constantly uh, beautiful topics. They just touch on all the difficult stuff, and they sort of you know they almost explain how to manage these things in real life. Amazing show. Uh, it was very sad when it ended, but I think there's a bunch of spinoffs coming. So the, he suffers from an anxiety attack. Uh, spoiler alert, and. That's something that's plagued him in his life. He ends up speaking to a therapist, might have been a psychiatrist, don't quote me on that, but she gives him this tactic, which is the four, seven, eight breathing, which is relaxation breathing. And so we inhale for four through the nose, we hold gently for seven at the top, and then we exhale for eight through the mouth gently. And why I say through the mouth gently is we could also go, or we could go, But the idea is to allow the relaxation of the jaw to play into the relaxation through the rest of the neck as we let go of the held breath. So that is great for anxiety if you're trying to go to sleep. And, you know, all of this stuff kind of interplays like, I, you know, if you're if you're having trouble with sleep, you know, you can come up with a bit of a one, two, three process where you lie down and you just breathe deeply and then you look side to side and then you look down and then you do the four, seven, eight. And then maybe a couple of inhales, and then you just kind of fall asleep through that, right? So I've just kind of layered it all in between and created sort of the most relaxed state possible in the moment through that. Right. Okay, beautiful. I love that. Um, four, seven, eight. Yes. Four, seven, eight. Okay, good. I remember that. Okay, um, you mentioned the we eyes. Call it the Ted Lasso breathing if we want. The Ted Lasso <laughs> Seriously, the best show ever. I've watched, I've gone through the three seasons four times. Four oh, times. Oh, God, you double watch it. It's awesome. I know. I, I think my it. husband has probably done it like eight times. We, we're huge. Oh, you guys are amazing. I, I love it. It's ridiculous. But anyways, um, I mean, I'm a personal growth like junkie, so you can understand mm-hmm. why I love uh, Ted Lasso. Um, okay, so you talked about um, the eye. Nate's movie. story made me cry at the end. It was oh, just so beautiful. You. Okay, stop, stop. Okay. No more spoilers. <laughs> but go watch the show. If you're watching this, watch the show. It's amazing. So good. Okay. The eyes. Tell me about the eyes. Like how, how does that play into the physiology of everything? Love it. The eyes are a window into the soul, as they say, but it is so true. Uh, imagine glaring and what that does to the musculature around the face. You're really using all of your muscles to glare 
And that creates an intensity in the body and kind of creates also a hyper state. But if, and so focusing on something, you're engaging the hyper state. And then when you relax your eyes and just kind of gaze into the distance, right? Then your face relaxes and you're still seeing everything, but you're not as, as deep into it. And that's a way to relax the body. And that's why sort of moving your eyes from side to side, which mimics sort of the effects of walking, um, relaxes the body because you're allowing the eyes to just move gently across the room. And what you'll notice actually is you might sort of jump through spots and that indicates some tightness. And so if you kind of on the way back, try to slowly make it through this spot without moving too fast, you'll notice that you actually get a full relaxation from the eyes into the neck and from the jaw. <clears throat> and I mean, we can go wild with this too. There's salamander breathing where you go, you look to the right and then you tilt the head and then you breathe in and then you immediately feel a release all the way through the neck because you're disconnecting sort of the need to control the neck and the eye through the same muscles. And so once you let your body work on its own, right, the mobility and the motility of each part of your body, that's where like flexibility and, and relaxation. Okay, really interesting. Um, okay, so uh, I, I get the the eye, the eye movement helps with the the relaxation. Does it do anything else, or is that the primary function of the the eye movement? Yeah, for sure. So I mean, the eye, everything's connected. Um, you know, part of releasing tension and uh, it kind of ties to like you know the sinuses and the way that they map themselves through the back of the eyes and down through the face and around here and through the back of the neck. So that's where the tongue comes in, right? Uh, where is your tongue while you're relaxing, while you're breathing in and breathing out? Maybe for the viewers, you can share. Um, I, th I think my tip of my tongue is pressed up against my teeth. Okay, great. Uh, what about the back of your tongue, specifically the back third of your tongue, just as you kind of dive deeper into where it becomes the epiglottis and the neck? It's just there. <laughs> Okay, that's fair. Uh, so it could be on the roof of the mouth. It could be or in the middle. It could be on the bottom. It's on the bottom. It's on the bottom. Okay, there we go. So something to think about, and great, this might help you. Uh, we want the tongue tip on the teeth, back of the teeth, very gently, just contact. But it's also helpful to have the roof of the tongue sort of suctioned to the roof of the mouth. Really? Yes, I, because I, what that'll do, especially... You'll notice as you inhale, it probably rises. And then as you exhale, some uh, if you're not paying attention to it, it'll drop. And that'll allow a little bit of disconnect as the muscles relax through the exhalation. But if you engage the roof of your mouth with your tongue, then you almost create a situation, and you do create a situation, where your jaw is able to relax at the same time. And really, you want your tongue to be the thing that supports your upper jaw into your neck and you want your lower jaw to almost be relaxed and just kind of hinged without being gripped. And, and often like this is where that jaw tightness comes from because we're grinding our teeth at night and that comes from the stress of our neck, et cetera, et cetera. So the tongue posture is very key on the head level with the relaxation of the jaw, but it also ties to the way that our core engages through the exhalation. Because if our core is engaged gently through the exhalation, then our diaphragm expands and contracts effectively, and then our pelvic floor drops and then rises effectively. 
And so it's all tied to, in fact, they talk often uh, about the connection between the jaw and the pelvic floor. And so much of this is tied to the just the tongue muscle passing through and then down through the neck and then engaging kind of all the way through and connecting at the pelvic floor. Often people have tight hips and that relates to the same side jaw. Uh, TMJ is something that a lot of people struggle with. You know, you may have to, you may have it so bad that you might have to get injections, some intraoral therapy where they almost like open up the muscles and so that you're able to get that jaw relaxation. Uh, but if it's not that bad, you might be able to just engage your tongue with the roof of your mouth gently. Remember, we're not shoving the roof of the mouth up. We're just engaging the surface. And by doing that, we're just allowing the body to work together in synergy. That's really interesting. I noticed as soon as um, I took a deep inhaling breath, my tongue just automatically went to the roof of my mouth. And I've never, I've never once ever thought of the placement of my tongue. So that's, that's a really interesting thing. So that it's almost like a psychological, um, physiological placement that helps to create the, the, um, the relaxed body, like a send, sending a message, like you said, to your body to, to relax. I'm interested in the TMJ things. My husband had, um, had that um diagnosed the tmj so i'll have to make sure he listens to this podcast and- yeah for sure imagine the tongue is almost like a grounding mechanism hmm. in the head and it allows you to stay grounded and it gives you a focal point to contact or to think about while you're inhaling and exhaling and again if you just focus on that it, you know there's different types of mindfulness and meditations and you know you could breathe while focusing on a single area you could breathe while focusing on the different areas that sort of pop up and this is all very helpful but it, you know in the moments where you're like lifting weights or running or uh you know sitting on the couch and watching tv like just allowing your brain to just focus on the tongue might be a great way to make sure you don't sit in a way that you know compromises your hips and then you kind of get off of the couch with like a sore back because you kind of curled up while you were watching tv uh so just you know an, an example and then we know we've only kind of talked about the this area of the body right and you know once you kind of understand what's going on you know in the shoulder joints when you breathe in and out and in the hip joints and with your feet like i mean side story i had flat feet my whole life and I wore orthotics for 20 years and in the process of healing my body from what I experienced I discovered that it wasn't a structural issue it was just my biomechanics were off so learning to breathe learning what happens when I breathe and learning about how the arches formed has allowed me to transition away from orthotics and clunky shoes to a more barefoot style of shoes with a wide toe box and a zero drop and my balance my leg strength my speed, everything is just, like I said, it's above where it was in my most athletic days. And that tells you the power of the body to recover and even to supersede what it was at the best points before you got sick. And all through breathing. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. My my biggest aha moments and my biggest sort of exponential uh, improvements have come from the discovery of something related to what happens when I breathe in and what happens when I breathe out and how that kind of ties into everything else. Uh, like I have a condition called iritis that pops up every so often and it started in my 20s and it escalated to the point of where it was happening more often. And that's another thing that the more I understand about 
what happens in my eye and where my tongue is and how to breathe and allow the sinuses to just flow and empty as they get stuffed and things happen has allowed me to identify the starting point of where the iritis comes from. And I've tripled the time in between episodes in the last year or so, which is massive for me because uh, it was starting to escalate to the point of where it was happening quite consistently. I went to see rheumatologists and all that kind of stuff. And those outcomes aren't what I want. Um, And so to be able to possibly have solved at least that stage of it is massive because it's not a fun thing to go through. <laughs> In fact, it was an iritis episode that spun out of control due to my issues of not dealing with it that led to uh, what I contracted that then led to all the body issues over seven years. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just to kind of a reminder to people, if something's going on, just deal with it now, because if you wait, it only gets worse. Things don't yeah. go away. Yeah, yeah. It's so true. You gotta, especially health wise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You gotta look under the hood every once in a while and make sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. You. So I know you work with teams and corporations. You also work with individuals. Yeah, I do. Uh, you know what? Uh, part of what I've been doing over the past two years or so, as I developed the mind and body training, was the understanding that this isn't material that I only want to be corporate shopping. So I got I built an Instagram page, and we're shooting more videos, and I'm trying to build a bit more of an online presence because I want this information, specifically this mind and body training program that I've developed, to be out there. I want people to know what their body is capable of. And, you know, there's lots of other resources. You could probably find all this information online yourself. So if you're watching this, just start to dig into mind and body training. What I've done is I've curated it in a way, and it's been vetted by a lot of smart people who know more than I do. And I'm just trying to teach it in a way that anybody can come in with zero knowledge and walk away with tools to make their lives better. And then if you kind of continue the practice, then you go from like, you know, possibly chronically stressed to slightly less chronically stressed, to managing your stress in an effective way, where now you control the stress, and now stress is a tool, a a tool that you use regularly to become bigger, stronger, faster, and kinder at the same time. Kinder? That's one of the byproducts of mind and body training. I'll give you the scenario. We go back to that conversation that is heated, right? And let's say you have the skills of mind-body training. And you know when you're starting to bubble up and you can catch yourself before you explode. Well, you're able to keep yourself below threshold for that entire conversation. And when that other person who maybe doesn't have the same tools you have explodes, you know that they didn't know what was happening and the explosion wasn't intentional. And yes, they regret what they said, but you can forgive them because you know it wasn't intentional. And then you can talk to them afterwards about, hey, I have some things that I can share with you that might help you the next time. And then you won't say that thing you regret. And this applies just not in conversations and anything. But, you know, in all fairness, the world could be more kind. And we're having this conversation at a time when there's some very intense conflict all over the world. So, you know, I almost like to talk about a bit of a guerrilla mindfulness approach where rather than trying to overthrow government or take over land, let's all just learn about our bodies and teach everybody else about our bodies and we'll all be kinder together. And then there'll be this groundswell of kindness. And that is an amazing world. That is an amazing world. I love it, Raz. So if somebody wanted to learn more about you and work with you, do you have a website that we can direct them to? 
I do, yes. So uh, the company uh, website is www.highlevelthink.com. And, you know, the idea behind that is just we're looking at things from a higher level. And when you look at things from a higher level, it doesn't seem as messed up. You know, you pull yourself away from the minutia and you can see the forest for the trees. So highlevelthink.com. And you can reach me at RAS at highlevelthink.com. And I'd be happy to talk to anybody that is interested in learning more about this, because if you don't know, hopefully now you know. Now you know. And your Instagram handle, what's that? High Level Think on Instagram. Uh, and I mess around with a TikTok page too, but uh, most of my uh, new videos are going up on, on Instagram. Uh, in fact, I'm doing some shooting tomorrow, so we'll be hopefully putting up some new content in the next week or so, but we'll see. Awesome. Wonderful. I love the work you're doing. I'm so glad that you and I connected. It is, you know, I think you said it beautifully earlier, how if we can reduce our, our level of stress or chronic stress, then we can experience more joy in the world. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Dual. Um, we, we, similar missions, different paths, but ultimately I think what we want out of this world is joy, kindness. And for us all to just understand that we are the same, and if we want to get deeper, we're all connected in the back end. Yeah. There's no difference. We're, we're all just trying to live this life and, and be happy and just feel good about ourselves, right? Absolutely. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for sharing your wisdom. These really simple to use tools that we can implement in our life right now. Like we can start using these things right now and see the difference. And I love that. So thank you. And, and Joyful Journey, or if you know anybody who could benefit from listening to this podcast, please share, spread the love. Um, go check out uh, Raz's website too. I think he's got some really good stuff there that uh, you may really enjoy uh, digging deeper into. So thank you again. Roz and Joyful Journeyer. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for joining me on the Joyful Journey podcast. If anything resonated for you from today's show, or if you are looking for more clarity in your life, clarity of purpose, or how to activate that purpose, then head over to joyfuljourney.ca and become a member of our community. We'll start by sending you a free download of our three guiding principles to inner wisdom, which will give you a great foundation for finding the clarity you are seeking. And you'll become part of a growing community of people who are raising the collective consciousness. So head over to joyfuljourney.ca and I look forward to connecting with you directly.